3: Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
4: Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Rohan Nagini, joined today by my good friend, Michigan man, Uh Chicago man, Sports Illustrated senior writer, the author of the New York Times best selling book, Blood in the Garden. Chris Herring. Chris, how's it going, buddy?
5: I'm good. I'm soon to be New York man. Uh, about to move back to New York, I think. Uh,
4: Wait, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, didn't realize I hadn't told you that. Uh, what?
5: Me and the significant other have been looking at... Uh, Who are long distance. We've been looking at apartments. Bro, and did I you just just buy, on
4: didn't you just buy the condo you're sitting in?
5: Hey, Amen. Love will make you do some crazy things, including... Like look at your condo and be like, yeah, I guess I'll put it up for rent. um But yeah, oh, just let's talk this. Maybe
4: I'll move to Chicago.
5: Oh, so you could have my condo? Yeah,
4: I think it'd be a good podcast bit if you were my landlord.
5: <laughs> this podcast is off the rails. Twenty four seconds in, uh, Lord. Our apologies
4: to Daryl Swenson. Just <laughs> to get we to have Matt's to be his right? least
5: <laughs> favorite podcast at this point. <laughs> like we can't us, stay on dude. task for anything.
4: <laughs> I think it would be funny if you were my like. We just did a segment every week, you know? It sounds like a sitcom. Yeah, it really does. I become a Um, slumlord. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, man. Goodness gracious. Um, Well, okay. News to me that you're moving. All right. Breaking news. Um, Yeah. Wow. All right. Very exciting. We'll have to unpack that later. (laughs) Um. Wow, I'm shocked right now. I'm flustered. I like, had a whole <laughs> plan of all these things. Because <laughs> we were catching up before we started. We were. <laughs> Not that it would have come up, but I'm um, okay. Wow, Sorry. Well, good for you. No, hey, it's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> um, Chris, so much stuff uh, to get to today. And I'm excited because there's really just all basketball things that I want to talk about, like fun basketball things that we get to talk about today. You know, I think we're getting a little bit out of some of the drama that's been dominating the storylines this season. I guess that's partly our fault, but um, there have been a lot of good hoops this season. And I want to start with, you know, I texted you this week. I was like, hey, man, what's, you know, what are you most excited about that you want to talk about on the pod? And listen, you brought up the team that's capturing the imagination of the basketball viewing public. It's time for Oakland Floor to light the beam. It's time to talk about the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Just the offensive juggernaut that's emerged in Sacramento. They score 153 points against the Nets earlier this week. Put up another crooked number on the Spurs Thursday night. We're recording this Friday. They've been awesome. Uh, This has been, I think, a really interesting team. I think there was a little bit of hype. Not hype, but... I, people loved the Mike Brown hire over the summer. I think people were really excited about what he could bring this team. I think a, f- a full year of Fox and Sabonis definitely had potential. Um, They added guys, you know, Keegan Murray, Malik Monk, Kevin Herter, especially in the offseason that have been interesting. But, Chris, I want to open up the floor for you. I know you've been really excited watching this team closely. Um, what makes you most excited about the Kings at the moment?
5: I mean, it's it's a number of things, really. Uh, it's the fact that they have some of the most fun lineups in the league. I mean, they've played fast for years. That's really not mm-hmm. unusual. But I think the kind of the combination of shooting that they've got makes them really fun. Herter has been a fantastic addition for them. I think it's fit really well. Keegan FN, Murray. The
4: bonus at center has been awesome. <laughs>
5: Yeah, it has. Yeah. And I mean, like, it, it's been cool to kind of see him just bully people uh, the last several games uh, where, you know, Fox has had really good vision for for the last few games, too, where he's hitting guys with some crazy angles on, on passes and stuff like that. They have some real bounce on this team. Like, it's, I mean, they've essentially benched Rashawn Holmes, but they have all these other guys. Which is crazy.
4: Just, he's, he's good. <laughs>
5: I mean, like I remember, it wasn't this year that we were going to put him in our top 100, but it was last year, and I think it was Jeremy Wu who, you know, shout out to Wu. I I will not call him a voice of reason because I normally disagree with this man on most rankings. Wu is a voice of
4: unreason. Okay, (laughs) Wu is an agent of chaos. He's on Tina's neck in the group chat, dude.
5: Yes, (laughs) but I but I will say this though, like, and he he raised a good question last year because I want to say like okay whatever if you've got um
4: we had five, several six kings guys, in the top 100
5: yeah right if you have 5 or 6 guys from the warriors in the top 100 that's one thing they're the warriors we had like 6 or 7 from the kings and the kings as everyone knows have the longest running playoff drought in NBA history uh and so you know when you, it, it's weird i think it's it's okay potentially to have like more than the sum of your parts as far as uh you know or it's, it's 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 one thing to have more guys on your team that are talented that aren't actually, you know, like a good fit. But we had so many guys on the list where we was like, we should probably cut this off somewhere. Like, do you guys really <laughs> believe that strongly in Rashawn Holmes? Because I think we had him like 97th yeah. last year. And it is quite a tumble to like not even see him in a rotation. Yeah. But this is a team that could potentially be a winning team. And maybe not everybody fits winning Basketball, and Rashawn Holmes certainly has holes in his game. So looking at guys like Shemezi, Metu, um, just uh, Terrence Davis has looked fin- – like he's been –
4: Oh, he balling, Some of man. the he's stuff balling, he's, he's done,
5: like some of the stuff he's done with the ball he and just kind like of the moves he's made. He 31 on the
4: nets, yep.
5: He did. He had like a – he's had a couple nasty spin moves. Uh, it's just a really, really fun team. Uh, we haven't mentioned Harrison Barnes, who's kind of been a, a rock for them. Uh, it's a fun team that looks like they have the potential to be more than just a fun team. I mean, obviously, we could talk about the defense and the fact that there's still plenty to be desired there. Um, But it is a team that's interesting. It is a team that Mike Brown seems like he's getting a decent amount out of. They do play track meet basketball. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, they do... um, I want to say, I looked at it a couple days ago. I haven't looked to see if it still holds true. But I think that they have one of the the most uh, efficient transition defenses in mm. basketball. like that, they, They're very low in terms of how many um, fast break points they give up despite the fact that they play so fast, which is interesting and very much seems like a Mike Brown sort of thing as far as, look, I want you guys to have fun. But don't let certain things slip as far as the effort, right. and it does feel like the effort is there. Even when they do get beat uh, defensively, they're pushing to to hit back offensively before the other team has even gotten back. Um, but the shooting, again, the shooting just really stands out. The athleticism stands out. Virtually everybody on this team can can shoot it, um, and it, it makes them a really really difficult team to guard when. Four guys can shoot, and then your fifth guy is Sabonis, you know, a, a really good passer and a really good hub of your offense. So it, it's been really entertaining to watch them play. It does feel like there's something a little bit different there for now, but it's, mm-hmm. it's still early, so we'll see.
4: So a few things here. First of all, they are currently seventh in net rating ahead of teams like the Sixers, the Nuggets, the Blazers, the Hawks, the Wolves, the Grizzlies. Uh, the list goes on. The Heat, the Clippers, the Warriors. I mean, it, it's crazy. They have the fifth-worst defense, and they still have right. the seventh-best net rating, which gives you an idea of how insane their offense has been. It's right. second only to the Celtics. Um, they have some crazy, funky lineups. One to keep an eye on, this lineup's played very little together, but Barnes, Sabonis, Fox, Herder, Davis, in 23 minutes, has a 25.3 net. The starting lineup of Barnes, Sabonis, Fox, Herder, Keegan Murray – 16.5 net in 118 minutes. That's a good lineup. I mean, that's it's a, a fantastic lineup for them so far. A, and that's a representative sample size, at least for this early in the season. It's legit. You brought up a couple of things. Sabonis, he's long been one of my favorite guys to watch. He's like pound for pound, one of the strongest post players in the league. He uh, he brings it every night. Like there's no nobody he's not afraid to, post up like he'll bang down low he's one of the more physical players in the league and i wish more players played with his physicality I, I to me it's really fun to watch i love watching guys operate in the post and like yeah man he is bringing it into people's chest in the restricted area every night in a way that yeah I, strongest guys in the league whether it's bam at a bio draymond green whoever it is like he's not afraid to go you know he's got that wiry strength It's really impressive to watch you mentioned herder I remember when the Hawks made the Murray trade. I told our good buddy, Michael Pina, I was like, what bothers me about this is I know they're going to make a cost cutting move. And that that bothers me. Sure enough, they trade Herder soon after because they don't want to pay everyone. And you could argue, sure, would Herder have a place in Atlanta's rotation? You know, they want to duck the luxury tax. Dude, he's been lights out. He 5 5'10 from
5: three, out. 51% from three on seven attempts per game <laughs> seven attempts per game and this man is shooting 51 percent I mean, you're not
4: shooting wide open catch and shoots man no. he's coming off screens rising launching like it's been uh it's been incredible and, and the hawks just it was a salary dump trade i mean you know yeah they got holiday back and you know he's been fine for them but it's pretty incredible and yeah and they're shooting a big purple Light into the sky every time they win. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, you mentioned they play fast. I mean, it, it feels like they, I don't know, they necessarily have an identity just yet. And it's funny to think that a Mike Brown team is like this bad on defense, but it, you know, I think they're eight and six. It still feels like we're not at the real part of the season yet.
5: I yeah, it does watching a little bit.
4: I was watching the Warriors Suns game the other night and they were showing the worst record for defending champs to start a season first fifteen games. Like I totally forgotten the Bucks started seven and eight last year. Then obviously mm-hmm. the Bucks turned into the Bucks, but it's I hope this sticks because it's truly been a ton of fun.
5: It really has. I mean, I, I think uh there's there's some aspects of this that feel real enough to me because you know, like you said. Whether there's an identity, whether we've had enough of a representative sample size, I mean, their starting lineup has been out there most nights. I think uh, Murray was out the, the last game. Um, but you know, they've been out there from game to game at this point. Um, they're you know their rebounding stuff looks real enough to me. They're the second best defensive rebounding team in the league percentage wise. Um, because they have so much shooting, they're one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in the league. But I mean, it, it, like you said, it's their offense. Uh, if they are even, if they could even start to look somewhat average defensively, they become actually a, a really, really interesting team. Yeah. Because if they can score like this or anywhere close to this, they're first in the league in, in two point percentage. They're sixth in the league in three point percentage. And like we just said, Kevin Herter is is shooting lights out. Now, granted, that won't keep up. No one is mm-hmm. going to shoot fifty one percent from the from three on seven shots a game, Harrison Barnes is at 25%. Uh, You know, you've got other guys, you know, DeMontis Sabonis is not taking a bunch of threes, but he's under 30%. So you've got some guys on this team that should kind of progress to the mean. Kevin Herter obviously is going to regress to the mean a little bit. Mm. Uh, Keegan Murray is it might be a swing guy for them, but he's someone that has been solid so far and is going to put up enough threes on his own as well so there's a lot of aspects of this that feel legitimate uh DeMontis Sabonis with this kind of space we have to speak to the fact that he's probably able to bully guys a little bit differently with this sort of space he he was making Pirtle look kind of flimsy in the post now yeah on the flip side that Pirtle I believe had like a career game himself uh but but that said uh I mean, this team has a chance to be great offensively, even if they regress some, they still can be a top ten offense easily, and we're not always used to seeing that you know we we're used to seeing them be bottom five defensively, but uh if they can balance that and even if they're a neutral team uh with a great offense and a really bad defense um some aspects of that you can win games that way and and by the way, they you know they have won part of the reason I' found them to be so interesting all year. Is that they've played in a lot of close games so far? Yeah, and they've, they they've had, had good wins. In, yeah, yeah, they've played in eleven clutch scenarios so far. Uh, they've won six of them, but they've only—I mean—they're eight and six. So they've basically every yeah. game they've had, with the exception of the last two that yeah. were just blowouts. Every game they've had has gone down to the last couple minutes, and I think there's something to the idea of um, even though they play at the pace they play at. When you have this much shooting, and you get in clutch situations, you don't have to play iso ball. Or even if you are, um, and you you send two guys at Fox or something like that, or you want to run a second man at him, he's going to be able to beat you with the pass. Um, and you've watched him do that at times, even when he's throwing just rockets into uh, Sabonis in the post and whatnot. But it's a, it's a really interesting team. That uh, I'm, I'm certainly curious to watch more. I was telling you off the air that <laughs> I kind of got in trouble. Uh, I didn't get in trouble, but I was literally so excited about the way this team looked, even before the Nets win, um, that I actually like booked a flight to Sacramento without running it by our bosses. And was going like literally showed up at the airport like ready to fly there to cover this three game homestand until I realized I haven't talked to our bosses yeah. about this and then you we were might like, already I have. I
4: must you need to see, you needed to see the beep. You were like I must. You were just following the, the purple light in the sky, brother.
5: It's the most interested I'd been to just kind of go watch a team. I you know yeah. part of it is too that when you see something that just looks really interesting and different. You wanna see it up close. You wanna you know, it's one thing to see it on TV. You wanna talk to the guys about how they're doing it, what they're seeing. Um and they've got some interesting personalities. Herder is kind of an interesting guy, is really outspoken. Um, which I've really liked that about talking to him in the past. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of get better insight by talking to them on top of watching it in person, talking to the coaches. But uh I hope to get there sometime this season. I hope yeah. that we do more on them because they you know, they really, really are interesting and uh it not all of it feels fluky to me. And yeah. I, I think that that's Intriguing too,
4: and I'm. I just want to say I'm really happy for De'Aaron Fox because I think two years ago he's playing at an All-Star level. Last year he kind of takes a step back. They trade Halliburton. You know Halliburton's been great to start the season, and again it's it's kind of a referendum on that trade. And you know should they have kept him over Fox? Blah blah blah. Fox has been playing outstanding. There's a lot of guards in the West this year are going to be deserving of an All-Star spot. Yeah, I mean, We talked about Shea just alexander on Monday. He's only continued to be be fantastic. So I don't know if Fox didn't make the team, but uh, he's been playing at a great level, man. And I, I'm just happy for him because a few years ago, I really thought he was going to be a rising star in this league. Like the three-point shot looked like it was coming together. He's so fast. Uh, he's such an exciting guy to watch. And, you know, it was sad that so much of it, kind of the conversation around him, I'm probably guilty of it, had become, oh, they kept the wrong guy or – you know kings yeah. being the kings and but he's been a really good man and like you mentioned you know making the right pass like he's been a good point guard for them too
5: uh i will say this having watched uh their game last night and uh just the reactions after the game i mean obviously the the uh the went over the nets a team that's been in the news a lot and, you know, may not be a contender. I, th- I think if, if I had to lean one way or the other on the Nets right now, I'm certainly not picking them as a contender uh, with all the issues that they've had off the court. And maybe some of them will, you know, will crop back up now that Kyrie is going to be back pretty soon. But um, but I will say that, you know, that was a big win. That was a national TV game for them. Uh, and so you always wonder with something like that, like, how does the team respond you know, do they kind of get high on their own supply after that? Because this is new for the Kings. Um, and last night they come out and they're they're just on fire again. They have a massive forty point. What was it? Third quarter. Um, and the whole time you're just watching De'Aaron Fox just grin from ear to ear. He's doing the post game interview. He's happy. He's smiling. He's hugging his coaches. He's hugging. Yeah. He's hugging Vivek. Uh, I'm just watching it and I'm like, yo, the vibes feel really different in Sacramento right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'd have to look back at, you know, their year by year record to start the seasons, but this has to be one of the better starts they've had since that year where Boogie got mono and, uh, and then they fired Michael Malone, uh, seemingly prematurely. That feels
4: like a different universe that Michael Malone used to be the Kings coach. He's yeah, the only it-
5: guy. He's the only guy. What is the the stat on him that he's the only, he's the only guy that's coached them, lost his job, and then resurfaced somewhere else? I think is what it is, uh, or either that or that's still in the league uh, of all nuts. the guys they yeah. fired uh, in terms of being a head coach. Uh, and not to mention that Rick Adelman is the only guy in Kings history, I guess, aside from Mike Brown right now. That has a winning record as the team's head coach. Just insane to yeah. think about. Shout or out to Mike a Brown, with them.
4: too, who everyone loves, rightfully so. Um, just a really solid dude. And it's not easy. You know, there's only such few head coaching jobs in the league. And Mike Brown's had, you know, it, it was his second stint in Cleveland. He wasn't in a great spot. Um, and, you know, he takes his Kings job. It's I'm sure it's not easy leaving the Warriors for a job like the Kings. and Absolutely. He, he's, He's put his stamp there um, and it's been really incredible, man. Shout out to the King. Shout out to the Beam in the Sky. Shout out to De'Aaron Fox. Shout out to Vivek, who is finally making it okay to be an Indian team owner again. (laughs) Um, after, After some, like, it, that was, like, a not-all-representation-is-good-representation situation <laughs> um, for a little while. I'm not and commenting on any of this. And it's, like, him and, the ball it, don't, him and the ball don't stop guy. Anyway, um... <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> moving right along. Moving on, moving on.
6: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge...
5: Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card
0: member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
4: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.
6: Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Tired of restless nights? Meet
1: Lisa, the sleep (laughs) expert.
4: in the NBA, and it brings me no pleasure to talk about this team. As loyal listeners of this podcast know, I even had to write about them this week, and made me sick. The Boston Celtics, who you want to talk about offense, brother? They yeah. currently have the the best offense in NBA history. Um, that's how good the Boston Celtics have been. One hundred and nineteen point two offensive rating. The defense, after you know, they beat up on a couple of. Not so great teams here. It's been in the bottom third of the league. It's creeping up to 16th, even though the defense hasn't been great this year. But 119.2 offensive rating. The Celtics have the number one net rating in the NBA. We haven't talked about them much so far this season. You know, the first week of the season, I watched their offense, and there's just no holes. You know, and it's not like they're running. It's not like they give Tatum the ball at the top of the key and say, okay, Jason, run, 30, pick, not and necessarily. Roll pick. Right. No, it's – you know, Smart is playing point guard. I love what they do. Tatum coming off screens on the wing. Uh, they they'll run this like great set where like him. It reminds me of like when wide receivers are in like a bunch formation in the yep. NFL. Like they'll have oh, Horford, wow. they'll have Horford, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum just kind of in the bunch in a bunch on the wing. And I like, one of them's cutting to the hoop, one of them's coming around a screen to the perimeter, and like defenses have messed up that action so many times. And you can't give these guys an inch of space. And their starting no. lineup, you know, Derek White was shooting forty percent from three this week. Like you can't—he's the guy there's teams are supposed to be able to cheat off of. They're not cheating off of him. Um, Tatum has been unreal. Just yeah,
5: MVP tragic. so far.
4: Yeah, I think it's Doncic, but I mean, huh? But I think Tatum—if the Celtics continue on this pace—I think Tatum's going to win. And we already know that the Celtics media, they'll get the machine going and they'll get the misinformation out there, but he'll well, actually deserve it. He'll actually deserve it this season.
5: I I <laughs> I think there's a narrative too. I mean, like Yes, um, absolutely. You know, which from helped? the standpoint of all the craziness the Celtics had, which, you know, had nothing to do with their players, I don't think. Right. Uh more so just the Imei Udoka situation. Yeah. But you know, I do think that there's some of that that, you know, how does that look after yeah. Specifically, the last coach was able to get these guys on the same page because he spoke so directly right. to them and then he's not there. Um, you you bring in an assistant. Um it, it had the potential to go off the rails in the Definitely. same way that granted, you no. know, the Warriors, you know, it's a little it's certainly a different situation, but oh. they have not had a good start to their season. It it could have been very easy for the Celtics. Not to mention that I think Joe Missoula has changed a handful of things about this team. They have played without Robert Williams so their defense doesn't look the same so to get the offensive production that you have out of Tatum I think speaks volumes about him but um uh, also their record for now at least is better yeah. and that was one of the things I looked at with we did mm-hmm. a roundtable that I think is up now on Sports Illustrated um where we were asked the question like who would be your MVP so far Doncic is a fine choice like you can't yeah. really debate it but their record just isn't where the Celtics of course no it would have been easy think... to think the Celtics would have fallen yeah. off
4: yeah no, I think I, I we did a podcast before the season started. I did it with Ben Goliver, and I said, "Is the Celtics window closed?" I mean, I, I wasn't being completely serious, but there's something you said about can a team lose a coach as one important yeah. as important as EJoka was and be as good? And they've been fantastic, man. They've been so good. I, I'm with you. I do think Tatum is definitely going to be in the, the top three of the MVP conversation all season long. And if he continues at this pace, I would bet on him to win. Um. The reason I want to bring up the Celtics, and I think something really fascinating is brewing here. Boston's offense, like I said, it's been incredible. Their catch and shoot numbers are insane. Like Grant Williams was also shooting like 48% from three. Um, I don't have the latest numbers, but, you know, I wrote the story, I think, for Wednesday. Like him, Horford, Derek White, those guys were all shooting at least 40%. Brogdon was at like 38%. Sam Hauser. Oh my God! Pina was <laughs> dropping in Sam Hauser stats the other day. He's—I mean—that guy's on cloud nine. I don't even want to acknowledge the Hauser. I propaganda mean, he's the one yet.
5: taking the most. He, he's taking the most threes of anyone on that team uh, per 100 possessions, and he's drilling them. Uh, He's and over fifty percent with them, so I mean, it's yeah. you know, it's, it's basically what we were saying before about Herder, except you know, granted, yeah. someone that it doesn't play as much as as right. Herder, but it's still on a team where everybody else is contributing that way. Um, yeah, particularly with some of the injuries that they've had, you'll you'll absolutely take it. And and again, we'll, we'll see regression to the mean, but it just the feels like everybody this, they plug in is a great yeah. fit. Yeah.
4: Another thing is even if their offense regresses, like I don't know if they'll finish as the best offense. In NBA history. The the thing is it, it just makes sense on paper when you look at it because the shooting is so good and if Jalen and Jason beat their one-on-one matchup your defense is screwed. Like once you get caught in a rotation against these guys they swing the ball so well but even if the offense gets worse then they get Robert Williams back and that changes their defensive ceiling from what it is now but what's interesting to me is the Celtics have this incredible offense. Meanwhile I looked this up today Do you know what the defensive rating of Milwaukee's starting five is with Brooke Lopez, Giannis, Holiday, um, and Grayson Mm. Allen?
5: If I had to guess, uh, because where do they rank team-wide on their their D rating? They're not the top team in the league anymore. They are. They are. They're still
4: number one at 104.9.
5: So I'm assuming that their bench falls off quite a bit. So that starting five has to be like high 80s, low 90s. 89.2,
4: 89.2 Chris 80 that, that was right there. that was really you were right there brother So I'd, I mean, maybe I'd looked at it a couple yeah. weeks ago I can't remember it's, but yeah <laughs>
5: that's insane
4: Lopez Holiday Attentacumpo, Allen Javon Carter who's been great 89.3 27.6 net in 90 minutes unbelievable defensive lineup we could seriously see like, one of the best modern defenses and one of the best modern offenses of all time I in the playoffs with the Bucs and Celtics. Majors. I can't
5: wait for them to be oh, I need full strength. It,
4: I need it right now. Full yeah. strength. Middleton. Are, yeah, and Rob Robert Williams.
5: Williams. Please give it to me. Please. Please. Just, I'm so
4: – I'm literally salivating. I texted our group chat the other day. Like, I think that Bucks celtics could end up being the quote-unquote real finals this year. Yeah. But I wanted to ask because I think we went into the season and we were like, hey, like Toronto could be really good. And like, they've been impressive at times. Philly, you know, they've had the injuries to Embiid and Harden. Now Embiid is playing and he's been a monster. But, you know, they got off to a slow start the season even when both guys were healthy. Brooklyn, no one ever knows what to think about them. Now Kyrie's back in the mix. Do you feel like the East is already a two-team race?
5: Um, I, I mean, from the standpoint of at this moment, it, it sure looks like that. I'd like to see a little bit more play out. I mean, I think Toronto um, is interesting. I, I'm, I'm not ready to write off Miami yet, although obviously has not been a fun start for them. Oh,
4: I've been avoiding the heat on this podcast. Oh, <laughs> man. I'm not, I'm not really
5: ready. I'll put it this way, just to shorten it, because I feel like I could talk about four or five different teams. I think that we're going to see ebbs and flows. Uh, we already have in the West to some extent with uh-huh. a team like Utah,
4: even, for instance. Yeah, like, I mean, Cleveland, Cleveland has been, yeah. Right, you know. And, how, and how, has, can I just say real quick, J.B. burger yeah. saying they had a fat cat mentality is one of my favorite <laughs> quotes of all time. I mean,
5: like, can we also be real, too, that, like, I, my expectations when Donovan Mitchell is not playing for them. Yes, yes. Particularly when he looks like an MVP course, candidate and that he's not course. there. Like, we a, can just, also that's, be That's honest. just
4: great. That's great coaching though.
5: Come on. <laughs> you you can you can make, you can definitely yeah. I have I've watched coaches do that where they make the overly harsh comments to yeah, yeah, try yeah. to get their team's attention. <laughs> uh but I mean that's a very good example of what we're talking about where it's like uh I don't know what those things are called but sometimes you look at those tweets that are like videos but all it is is like they're they're chart graphs and they show a sliding scale of like the leading scores of all time uh-huh. throughout history. And the, the the scales go back and forth because <laughs> at one point in history, you had Dr. J and then it, yeah. you know, and then Michael comes along and then he eclipses everybody. So you're going to have the sliding scale of teams that look good teams that look bad for a five game stretch. Um, we haven't really seen it yet with Milwaukee. We haven't really quite seen it yet with Boston, um, but you're going to, you know, we have seen it with Cleveland now, uh, Toronto now is without Siakam. so You're going to have teams that go through this, just like we're seeing it in the West, where I'm pretty sure at some point Golden State will probably figure it out. We've seen Utah look good, and now we've seen them kind of slide down a little bit. Um, it's just a matter of when those things happen, uh, particularly for the teams that we expect to be contenders. Uh, Philly, Philly has looked good lately without Harden. But they're gonna get (laughs) hardened at at some point. So I mean, there's, there's not to say there's not questions to be asked about some things like that, about whether there are benefits
4: and. not The Nets seem look good without Kyrie. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: Right, and then they got blasted by Sacramento. So they did, but you you know what?
4: I thought Simmons started to wake up in that Sacramento game, and then he had probably the best game in a couple years last night.
5: He did, and he has. Uh, So I mean, there's all sorts of stuff, but even that we've got such a small relative sample size, all things considered, Mm -hmm. particularly with these teams that are still new look or missing a key guy. Um, And maybe sometimes you won't see, maybe it's like a a stone or a diamond where like you turn it from a different angle and something looks shinier for a while. So I'm, I'm curious, is it a two team race long-term? Like I do think those happen to be the two best teams. Uh Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if at, uh, for a moment, if a team or two looks way better and looks like they're capable of challenging. We just saw Boston knock the socks off Atlanta the other day, but Atlanta also has put together a pretty good record despite not really shooting Mm -hmm. well at all this season. And so there's that John Collins, John Collins Collins trade rumors apparently on the trade block if that's the case. And so uh, there's a lot of things that could shift the way this looks a little bit where I feel like it's a little bit too early, but Going into the season, we probably just talent wise would have said Boston and uh, right and uh why well, Milwaukee Milwaukee and, 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 and probably that feels solidified a little bit now, yeah. but it's still early and and who knows because our our tune on this might also change if like let's say Middleton comes back and then gets hurt again. Um, I don't know that I'm picking Milwaukee in that circumstance anymore. Right. Uh even though they've looked good without him. Like it's a different case as we saw when Drew Holiday has to take twenty nine shots a game yeah. in the playoffs. <laughs> Drew don't Holiday, want that. No matter how <laughs> many
4: shots he takes, he's making seven. He's either going seven of seven or seven of twenty-seven. there's no, so, yeah. I don't want that
5: shot diet. Right. I, like I, it doesn't mean they can't potentially yeah. win that way, but I don't want to watch it. You know, I right. don't want to watch that happen, so. bro. But uh, it's
4: really crazy to think they have an eighty-nine point two defensive rating, and they might replace Grayson Allen with Chris Middleton.
5: That's insane. Scary hours. Scary hours is the only way to put it. So I'm, I'm really, really excited for those teams to get. Yeah. Strength. I know I said that before, but it's it it, like it's. I need it. I need that to happen. I'll put it that way. There's
0: no distance too far for the perfect trip.
1: Hi, checking in for
0: or the perfect table.
1: Hey, where are you coming?
0: And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card.
1: Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it.
0: And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com/slash-with-amex.
4: From BBC Radio Four, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
5: is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my god, we've summoned something from this board.
4: This is Uncanny USA.
7: I heart.
4: Before we move on, I just want to say one more thing um, about Boston, real quick. It's impressive, man. Like what Joe Missoula has done, like, you know, we wrote, we wrote that roundtable today. You mentioned who's the coach of the year. I said it's still got to be Will Hardy at the moment, but. Me too. I think Missoula, man, I mean. You said it. It's not like he just said, okay, go do exactly what you're doing last season. Like, he's clearly found a way to unlock this offense. I think they play with such good movement. Um, Man, Al Horford, like, everyone is just playing so well, like, so locked in, so focused. It's so impressive to me that they, you know, like, they, they feel like the one team, like, outside of maybe Milwaukee – that came into the season like, okay, it's business time. You know what I mean? Like it feels like a lot of teams, you know, it's had this weird start to the season. We're still unsure. I mean, you look at Golden State, who we're going to get to in a second. But just the the degree to which they are locked in to start this season is so impressive.
5: Yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's crazy because we've seen it a couple of times now um, where, frankly, a lot of people – have kind of wondered how Phoenix would look to start this season. Mm-hmm. Um, they had all sorts of offseason stuff themselves with Sarver, um, the the blasting. I'm
4: impressed with Phoenix, man. Yeah, and I mean to be honest with
5: you, um, you know, I figured they would be maybe like a fourth seed. You know, I didn't think they'd fall off the table, but they brought virtually everybody back. But then mm-hmm. you factor in the the Crowder situation, the Sarver situation being the biggest of all of them. Um, But also the fact that like there seems to be maybe not the greatest, greatest relationship with Aiton and Monty Williams. Um, Chris Paul has been banged up. So there are different things that could have taken them out this year. But the truth is they battled all year last year through the the Sarver investigation last year and went on a 17 or 18 game winning streak in the midst of it. Uh, So, (laughs) you know, like teams give teams credit and even Utah for that matter. uh, Last year. A team that had been, you know beaten in the playoffs in a series that a lot of people felt like they should have won, or basically, you, know, a team that people thought should have won because they had the best record in the league that year. Uh, they came back and had a, a perfectly fine start to the season. So teams you know teams, generally speaking, I think that they're pretty uh, durable from the standpoint of it's still the game of basketball. If a team is good, if they've got talent, as long as they're coached well, um, Quinn Snyder certainly is a good coach. Monty Williams is certainly yeah. a good coach. You can normally rely on a team to kind of go out and do their job. Um, that's what makes the team we're about to talk about so interesting. Yeah, is that uh, Steve Kerr? I consider to be a very good coach. Yep, I think he speaks bluntly. I think he tries different things. He's more experimental than I think uh, most coaches are. It's how we even found you know the Draymond combination and the death lineup that they had for all those years. Uh-huh. Uh, it has not looked good. And uh yeah. it it you know, it, there there's something to be figured out there because you can't have Steph going off for fifty and then still lose
4: by double. Digits. They, were, they uh, were never in that game. It was basically no. a wire wider win for Phoenix. And I want to talk about the Warriors only I know we've talked about them a bunch on this podcast so far. You and I have, John and I have, and we know the issues at this point, right? It's the defense. We know Clay hasn't been the same guy, Poole hasn't been the same guy, even if the numbers look okay. And the the bench has been a disaster. You know, they put Wiseman in the G League. It still doesn't help. But the reason I want to bring them up, you mentioned Steph goes off for 50 in Phoenix. Listen, I don't want to say a November game is going to define your season. And again, in a month, this team could make us look like idiots. But at the same time, the Warriors 0-7 on the road. Okay, they're embarrassed the last time they play in Phoenix. This is a team that's always, always come out strong against teams that have beaten them recently. You know what I mean? Like, they're never ones to drop two in a row to the same team since this dynasty started. They go into Phoenix. Phoenix is missing Cam Johnson and Chris Paul, two starters. Forgot and, about
5: Cam. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And they just whipped up on the Warriors. I mean, they had a double-digit lead for most of the night. They're comfortably ahead most of the night. Jock Landale, the podcast favorite, out here blocking Steph Curry on drives. Tory Craig. Torrey Craig and Damian Lee have been playing their asses off and I just to me that was a pretty inexcusable loss for the Warriors you need that game you're winless on the road you're playing a conference rival who blew you out the last time you played embarrassed you a little bit and it, like outside of Steph like you know so, like Draymond gets called for a foul and he's not even yelling at the ref and I'm like where's the passion where's the attitude yeah. what's going on Um, and I know a lot of Warriors fans think they need to make a trade. I'm I'm curious, and I agree. I do think they need to make a move. They need to do something I do the too. bench. What what do you think is the what would you like to see them do?
5: Um there's a few things, but um let me just start with this. It like there's I, I always have kind of complained about how um on TNT, ESPN, they do the mic'd up sessions and then you like hey good play there good play you don't hear anything i feel like two of the three or four most like illuminating sequences that i've seen have generally been um steve kerr talking Mm -hmm. um and part of me wonders a little bit if that's because he has a tv background and so maybe he's cooler with the networks and maybe to some extent doesn't mind what's shared uh, but I'm always blown away or not always, but sometimes blown away. I remember a couple of years ago, it was him talking to Durant about involving the rest of the offense. more, Right. Right. And I was like, Oh wow. Like this is, you could tell there were fractures within the Durant relationship with the Warriors. It's like, that's really interesting that that was put out there mm-hmm. for all of us to see. So granted, this wasn't that, but the other night during that game, he's basically just like, guys, come on. Like, yeah, rah rah. He's just trying to get them to play with passion, any sort of passion, regardless of what it is that brings it about, because he can't get the defending champions to like play hard. Um, and, and and maybe it wasn't just that, but also he didn't say it directly to him, but it also felt like we're just out there playing. That it, it feels like a rec game, like a pickup game. It felt like he was talking to Clay Thompson because Clay mm. just kind of. Granted, he has struggled. Granted, he's taken it on the chin as far as the criticism, whether it's from Charles Barkley, the media. You know, it, it, it has been a, a huge uphill climb for him. Mm-hmm. But he, the, the challenge with him is that he does so much to try to, like, will himself back into a rhythm that it's like there's not even other another four guys out there up from right. his team. And it felt like, to some extent, when Kerr talked about the fact that we're playing as individuals, he's not talking about Steph, who's going off for 50. He's talking about Clay. Um, so, anyway, to that point, I am ready to say, I think, and it, it doesn't fix their defense necessarily, but I I, I think it, it's a delicate thing. I think Clay should come off the bench. And, and mm. like I, a lot of fans would say that. Um, I, I'd like to think of myself as a little bit more measured than that. Um, he's a Hall of Famer. I get it. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's not permanent, maybe it's like the Wiseman thing. Um, and maybe it's difficult because maybe that dings Clay's confidence more right. at a time where you don't want to do that so to him. So delicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but I'll tell you what, though. Like Jordan Poole, uh, if you look at the two games he's had, two, three games he's had the best games this year, certainly one of them, one of the last ones he played, was a game he started and he went off for 36. Uh, and there's some games where he just doesn't get into a rhythm and you can't really convince me that he's not going to be better playing off of Steph um that he would be off the bench like he's a good enough player to get it done off the bench but he man he has some really uneven performances when he's off the bench as opposed to just starting um and quite frankly if clay is going to shoot the way he's shooting and if he's going to force the shots anyway i'd rather have him do that off the bench than have him do it with Steph and with wiggins who's been your second best player i don't want to see him do that with Steph. like it, it Steph is the one chance you had I think uh was it Tim Kawakami had a stat uh the other day that they have yet to win a game where Steph wasn't at least a plus seven crazy and plus minus that's a crazy statistic so yeah. I I think <clears throat> I, I actually think it's time and 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 you know just for people that haven't followed it or d- don't know what's really being said Kerr has essentially said he's not doing that or that he's not he hasn't even looked into doing that um yeah. You know, because the starting lineup has been fine. Obviously, the bench has been the it, biggest problem right.
4: for this team. And, season, and so. it is because the starting lineup has been pretty good. But that Phoenix game, I thought, was that's top competition. And again, even down two starters. Phoenix's starters were outplaying Golden State starters. They got up to a lead in the first quarter. Uh, late in the second, they held it. Third, the quarter, they expanded the lead. Like, you know, as good as that lineup has been, you know, over the course of the season or the course of the number of possessions – that's the kind of game where you need them to dominate, and they weren't able to do it. Defense was getting absolutely carved up. You know, you mentioned it. Kerr doesn't seem to have an interest, an appetite for bringing Clay off the bench. And that is an interesting team dynamic that they have going here because Clay, next year, could be the last year of his deal. They've signed Poole long term. Poole obviously started for so much of last season. You right. have to wonder how he feels about coming off the bench again, especially as he sees Clay struggle. Right. Um, the bench, I mean, they reworked the rotation. Anthony Lamb's getting minutes now. They need a shooting. You know, Wiseman's in the G League for a G League stint. I, I would really like to see them make a trade. I'm curious to see what they end up doing. I know that some there was rumors that, you know, Jake Crowder, our old friend Jake Fisher reporting that there was a three-team trade that some people thought was about to happen involving Jake Crowder. I have no idea if the Warriors were involved in that, but... I think they also need to get some vets, like you know. Yeah. I, I I thought JerMichael Green would be better for this team. Like when they signed him, I was like, "Oh my god, like that's a steal!" I thought he was it so felt good. Felt like for the an records. unfair
5: signing at the time. Yeah, time, right? it really
4: did feel like he can shoot in uh, the same way play. that Boogie did a couple yep. of years ago.
5: Yeah. Except for more of a role player, obviously. Yeah. But no, but yeah. no, I
4: I could not agree more. It was like the perfect four or five for this team. He can shoot. He can play with any right. of their bigs. I'm surprised he hasn't been as good, but just feels like they need more vets, like some kind of injection of passion to like end the, like someone who's hungry for it. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, again, like I'm trying not to overreact because I, you know, I saw that thing again, the Bucks started seven and eight last year, but I don't see what the fix is right now on the current roster. Like the starting five, I think will always be good, but defensively, like I, I they need some kind of injection. I I think
5: Crowder actually would make sense for them if only because of some of the passion and some of the toughness yeah. that he brings um I mean he doesn't strike me as a great shooter he's always been a little bit overrated as a shooter mm-hmm. okay um, sometimes slightly below average but a guy I think the defense is respect enough to where they'll you mm-hmm. know they'll try to close out on him if, if they see him wide open um, but like you said like even when you're looking at even draymond not really <laughs> reacting to foul calls, yeah. At least Crowder will give you that. He's always going to have a reaction. He's always going to be the tough guy, um, you know, and, and frustrated and a little bit hot under the collar. Um, I can't help but think and, and granted, he wouldn't have even played if he were still on the team if they had paid him the money. Gary Payton um, hmm. II is, is a real absence for them, uh, especially when you look at – and again, he hasn't played yet. But, like, the sorts of guys that the Blazers are thriving with are the sorts of players that I don't think the Warriors have enough of. Yeah, uh, Wiggins, you know, has has filled that role for them, and he's been better. Like Wiggins could not play the rest of the season, and they've gotten so much more than their money's worth out of Andrew Wiggins. Even at a max level on a max deal, he's just been so good for them. And you know, where would they be without him? Uh, but they they really like him, uh, Gary Payton II, and then a guy like Otto Porter, who you know, it feels like to some extent, maybe you're hoping that Lamb has replaced some of that but they they they, those two guys were big losses and I'll, i'll say this and i'll leave it alone um my best friend uh who like is a huge basketball fan and a very like you know former teammate of mine in junior high high school whatever very knowledgeable about basketball like he and i will have conversations that go for an hour on basketball i'm a lot more analytically driven in addition to watching the game i think he's more watching the game uh And so it was really interesting that he texted me out of the blue one day um, when he saw that some ESPN projection had the Warriors finishing eighth in the West. And he was like, Chris, this is so stupid, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, what model was it that used them? Um, Or actually, no, he said Kevin Pelton had them eighth in the West. And I was like, oh, like he said he thinks they're going to finish eighth. And then when he looked at the description or the story more or whatever, he was like, oh, well, actually, what he said is that like his model had them finishing eighth. But he was like, I'm still ready to throw the whole model away because that's stupid. And like, uh-huh. as someone that's steeped in basketball and watching the game and stuff like that, you have to be kind of like – I was like, look, Pelton is really smart. And in fairness to Pelton, I think he went on the low post and said – that he thought that it was off too, that he was surprised by that result too. Uh-huh. And what I was telling my friend is like, you don't throw a model out because of that. You might try to explain what it's seeing or what it's saying, but like a model is a model. And the whole point of it is that it kind of strips the team of what we think about it. And it's just taking into account the numbers and, yeah. and maybe you know the, the things that we're not noticing or that we're not thinking about. And what it probably showed is that like a lot of models when I was at 538, experience is built into that. And a lack of experience is built into that too. So the Warriors have, I don't know if they've bragged, it's not exactly light years, but they've talked for a couple of years now about the idea of melding this group of vets with this group of youngsters. Uh-huh. And then they also let a couple of guys that were experienced enough walk from a championship team and Peyton and Porter. And I mean, we're, we're seeing some of the results of that in addition to the team aging a little bit in addition to the team being a little bit rusty between Clay and um, you know and, and Pool and trying to figure out what role works best for them, it, it, it's not to say it was fully predictable, but it starts to make me wonder whether Pelton's model was actually spot on about some of what mm. it was seeing. It was always a little bit strange to just kind of assume that this will work because the Warriors have a really good top end to their roster and they've got some young guys that have pedigree. Uh, that doesn't mean that they're going to be good. It doesn't mean that they're going to fit. So absolutely, they need another vet or two. Um, I'll also say this, and I love him. Like I understand, I wouldn't have been itching to get him off the roster either. But you have a guy in Iguodala that really doesn't play. Like so, I mean, mean, they're they're getting have,
4: they're they're having a lot of roster spots right now that are giving them nothing. Kaminga's right. not giving them much. Iguodala's not That's giving him anything. Wiseman, yeah, yeah
5: um you know so I don't I don't know what that looks like I mean part of me thinks that maybe they could try a little bit more of something but they also might have already been doing it like the idea of playing mostly their their vets and their their key guys that you know can play together and maybe playing one of their young guys at a time saying that like look we we will score enough between Steph and Wiggins and the other guys we can score enough just go out and play like We've lit you on fire from a standpoint mm-hmm. of defense. We have to defend better, uh, whether that's Kaminga, whether it's Moody, whatever. But uh, it does feel like there's just been too much kind of maybe propaganda is the word, or, or just belief that because these young guys have watched,
4: the there best was definitely, play, and I think I was guilty of it. There was an assumption that these guys were ready to step in and be contributors, and I definitely never bought the two timeline thing. Is like. Oh, we're going to be the yeah. Spurs and for the 15 years after Steph retires we're also going to be great and it's like no 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 this only like works because you have Steph Curry. Yep. But I did think that a lot of these guys were going to be more ready to contribute than they were.
5: Yeah, I mean, and, you know, like fair. I, I, the other thing I thought about last night before I went to bed as we were, you know, talking about the outline for this pod was like Wiseman came in and he had a really nice looking preseason um the first game in particular I think he he might not have missed a shot um he was getting a lot of attention because he had the year off and you know how does he look Steph has a vertical lob threat now what does that look like um guys can look good in the preseason without being ready for you know especially after a year off I remember Derek Rose coming off the ACL for the first time and just lighting the league on fire in preseason and he looked the part so I think we're always really ready to just kind of, I mean, guys don't play hard in the preseason and to some extent when you dominate a preseason like that, it makes me wonder if those guys are just playing harder than everybody yeah. else. Uh, but you know, it's not to say that I'm happy or anything to, to see this play out the way it is. Uh, I still want him to be productive. Yeah. I thought Nikias Duncan wrote a really, really smart com even before the, um, the warriors decided to send him to the G league, uh, you know about the idea of maybe this just doesn't work yeah and maybe the Warriors would be better off getting something for him and maybe Wiseman would be somewhere better would be better off if they just send him to a team that can allow him to develop because (laughs) that's the other thing about the two timeline thing is like you're not even giving these guys a full chance to really spread their wings and make mistakes because particularly when you're behind the eight ball from a record standpoint you don't have the you can't afford to really give them that Also time.
4: like they play they play such an intricate style of basketball. Like Wiseman Absolutely. needs to be somewhere where he can run thirty pick and rolls a night. Just roll Absolutely. hard, like start small. You speaking of Kamakami tweets, he sent this during the Suns game. Um Wiseman, Kaminga Moody, Pat Baldwin Junior, Ryan Rollins, like Moody ended up getting in that game but when he sent this tweet like none of those guys got minutes. That's five roster spots you're not getting anything from. Meanwhile Iguodala is not playing, Clay hasn't been Clay like there's just so many question marks up and down the roster. Again, I know we've talked about this a lot of time, but at this point we've identified what the problems are. I think we both agree it's time for them to make a change. Chris, I wanted to I didn't tell you about this, but I wanted to get to this email before sure. we get out of here. First of all, I just want to acknowledge Greg who sent us an email called Trailblazers a disrespect? Even though I told I said I was buying stock in the Blazers on Monday, and he said it wasn't good enough. Apparently, I wasn't effusive enough in my praise oh. about the Blazers, even though we they lost a really the,
5: tough game last night. We're
4: also the only podcast NBA podcast I know that has a special segment dedicated to one team, right? And that's support <laughs> So apparently, that's not. And enough. we just but did anyway. that last week too. Yeah. Anyway, this email. Comes in from Ezra. It says, NBA player signature celebration miss. What's up, Open Floor Globe? Loved hearing Rohan and Chris's discussion of NBA signature celebrations this week, but I think (laughs) y'all missed one and I want to hear your thoughts. Specifically, what's your take on the ice tray celebration? I, for one, am low on it. Low in all caps. First off, it's a celebration named after a kitchen appliance, ice tray, (laughs) which isn't that cool. Secondly, the <laughs> celebration itself is essentially Trey Young pantomiming what someone does when they say it's a bit nippy out today. Not exactly the most wow. intimidating act. This is so what funny. are y'all's thoughts? This is uh, so Ezra, funny. this email cracked me up, dude. <laughs> it's
5: it's it's too good. It's just too good. Um I'll I'll hell, I'll I'll agree for the sake of for no other reason, going That's back to something email I mentioned so earlier. Convincing. Trae Young is shooting 30 percent from three <laughs> 31 if you want to round up and his team is not much better i mean let me, let me look really quickly are they the worst three-point shooting team in the league so far they are 27th in the league right now from a which is shocking standpoint. they could use Kevin they're Herter, also dead last in in uh, attempts which is yeah. interesting um dead last in makes dead last in attempts uh so I, I, from that standpoint, I'll say, yeah, it, it, it's a little bit overrated, if only because he doesn't get to use it much right now. Um, you know, even though the team has done fine, um, it's a little bit surprising. Like when you think about that team and some of the guys they have on it, and the way that team was built. Granted, they lost Herter, but it's a team that you would expect to be knocking down a lot more threes. Which maybe mm-hmm. it bodes well for them that they've, you know, that they've been as decent as they have been record-wise so far. Um, without knocking down those types of shots uh, john collins has been kind of struggling from there too and uh so it'll be interesting to see what happens with them but uh, for the, I, I will say even if i'm making a joke right now about how trey young has shot and the, the hawks have shot um in the right moment that's a damn good celebration i mean I, the I stuff with, with the knicks yeah. The stuff with the Knicks in that playoff series, like that's priceless. Uh, Yeah, you know, I'm
4: with you. Like on the surface, you're like, ice tray is that cool, blah blah. blah. But I like the tie in with his name. Absolutely. It's just I love a simple, easy to execute celebration. You know, I think he doesn't overuse it either, which I like. It's like, you know, I think Steph. This isn't really a celebration, but Steph does the, you know, the point to the sky after he hits every shot, basically, which is not quite the same thing. But, you know, Trey's not bringing it out all the time. He saves it for the big moments, which I think is important. Mm-hmm. And when you've hit some of the big shots he's hit, you got to do something. You can't, you know, like, he well, doesn't have great options. So I am I love the email. I love the energy. I respect <laughs> people who hate um You know, I respect people who wake up early, so they have extra time to be haters. Um, I love the energy from Ezra, but I do think, ultimately, I'm pro that celebration. The Hawks are interesting. pino has been trying to antagonize me since the summer about the Hawks winning the Southeast Division. And I know he did it. He brought that take to a popular basketball podcast that I won't acknowledge. But... uh, (laughs) they they they're interesting i don't know what to make of them because they've had some you know they beat the bucks a couple times but once without trey once when the bucks didn't have drew and a lot of their wins have come against so-so teams like i don't really know what to make the hawks yet that might be a team we have to discuss more at some point in the future but they've been kind of weird
5: 15 games in there's so many teams that i just don't know what to make of i mean the knicks like are at the top then, of that list yeah. too where they uh you know i think i know I think what we we're even talking about, about in our group text yeah. okay fair uh <laughs> no
4: no you're i mean right, but you're they right.
5: but it's interesting though that they now granted they beat denver without Jokic, but Jokic. they you know they they just went and won games in two places that they really haven't i mean that
4: utah about. win was a nice win that utah win was a, it was nice a very win. nice
5: win uh and so you know,
4: was the denver one frankly even without Jokic. Uh, Brunson they, has been great. I know that. I think Brunson has been everything yes. they could have asked for.
5: Yes. So it's. I mean, but there's just so many teams that like, you. Hell, and half the like, teams and, that we thought were going to be the biggest tankers are within like a game or two of 500. And the 2 the, like, the, the two, the the two game
4: series have thrown everything off. Like some teams have like, you know, the, you know, some teams have like I think the Hawks have played like the Hornets and Pistons like four times already. Like. Weird stuff like that. It's just
5: some season series are already over. It's it's a yeah. little strange, but I, I will say, I, you know, I appreciate the league's effort with what they're doing to make the back to backs like that, and you know, the the home and homes or whatever else. Uh, I do think that it, it's kind of weird to have them just from the standpoint of yes, like other people said, if if you've got a key guy injured, uh, that they miss both parts or half of a season series against a team because you're playing teams in succession mm-hmm. like that is a little weird to me. Um, yeah. And I, I am curious whether that there are plays always, into things There are always too.
4: unintended consequences of these decisions, mm-hmm. and it's going to be fascinating to see how they play out. On that note, Chris, that'll do it for today's episode of Open Floor. Um, thank you again for shocking me to start this episode, but I think we recovered... <laughs> And made it. Uh, Thank you to all our listeners. Again, I appreciate everyone who listens to this podcast, hits us up about it. Thank you so much. Please keep your emails coming openfloormail at gmail.com. Until the next episode, everyone, please continue to enjoy the NBA season.